In this episode, we interview David Carnahan with Alexandria RPG, and later, we do a Geek's tabletop game review of the game Five Tribes. Roll the dice. Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. All levels of gamers. Analog gaming. Tabletop news. Dungeons and Dragons. Stupid. There will definitely be some bet. That's probably our best. That, that's, that's, our, that's our best. our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast, featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. Hey geeks, welcome to Geeks of Cascadia, episode 17. 17, that's incredible. It is, oh wait, or maybe it's 18. You're right, it's 18. It is 18. Because wow. that would be like a whole time. Because we recorded it. Timey-wimey. And we, and we recorded that like two days ago. Yes, yes, I know, right? And I'm your host, Blue Samurai, and with me is... I am the one who is not your host, Blue Samurai. I am Paul. It's Paul. And we are your podcast to <laughs> tabletop game conventions and developers and retailers, anything that has to do with tabletop gaming. Is, comma, board games, comma. That's right. We're reading right off our big giant more. banner. And we are here at Around the Table, so thank you, Tim Morgan, for allowing us uh, to podcast. Thank you so here. much. And I might have to get the Frosted Flakes ice cream. And we are next to two people that we don't know playing Stratego. Which is awesome. We could have easily shoved them off, but we decided <laughs> not to do that. Because we're desperate for podcast listeners. Yeah. So the agreement is, is that since we're letting you sit right next to us, you are going to listen to our podcast. Well, they're going to hear this part of these because they, they can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> well, but we still would like you to subscribe. In fact, if you want to subscribe and not listen to it, that's fine, because at least we get the numbers. It looks exactly the same. And actually, <laughs> if you took the time, you can actually comment, do uh, uh, like give us five stars. Yeah. <laughs> you you don't even have to say anything nice to us. You can go five stars. These guys were jerks, but they were. <laughs> they took. I guess they're kind of nice because they did let us use half. Of it. <laughs> that's perfectly fine. So anyway, I'm going on too much. Paul, what do we got going on well, with the podcast? We today? talked to our good friend David Carnahan at Dragonflight. Yes. And it took us a long time to get to this one, so sorry. But he's got this great thing going on with his mm-hmm. um, uh, RPG collection. It's yes. getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yes. He's got some great stories to tell. And it's called Alexandria RPGs' collection. It's on Facebook and Twitter. And we also have a Five Tribes review from Doug and Kelly. Oh, absolutely great. And uh, we had a great time at the Navy Game Day. Or we Game, did. Game yeah. Day Salute. Yeah. I believe. Um, we played Century Spice Road. We played a lot of games. We played, um, we, a lot of people were playing Splendor. Mm-hmm. And what's the, I can never remember that game where, you, where I'm never where I'm, where I'm always a spy. The resistance. Oh, the resistance! By the way, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. You and I, we both looked up and went, "Oh yeah, <laughs> well, we're winning this one." <laughs> yes, we are. So we, we did. We did. Yeah. We did. It was great strategy too. It was, yeah. Did you like that? I kind of fooled him to thinking that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not spy. <laughs> I'm not the spy. You gotta let him win one time though. 
Yes. Well, the first one we had to let them win because you were one of the spies and there was only only two people. Right. But see, the problem with resistance is the people that fail being the spies, they automatically sabotage when yeah. the mission's like right out the bat. You yes. can't do that. Yeah. You can't do that. It was like we, were, we, was like we instantly knew what we were both going to do right. for in, in every situation. That it, was very fun. It was so hard for me not to laugh. I was like, oh my God, yes. right, Paul, we're going to be the spies. Here we go. We're the spies. Because I have never not been the spy. Seriously. <laughs> and I have never not won. That was good. Now, one of them kind of figured it out, right? Well, he said he figured it out, but they probably did. Yeah. Doesn't matter, we won. I was, I was not interacting with enough people, I think. I was just hammering Doug about being a spy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was fun. And he was trying to defend himself. It's like, no, I'm not the spy. I'm not the I spy. always tell the truth. Well, maybe you do, but maybe this is the one, the one time you're not. That's right. That's what a spy would say. Exactly. So, what do we got for con news? Well, con news, let's throw the, the Joe Costa, the Costasaurus. Joe? Oh, oh that's yes. right. Joe couldn't make it. Joe, yes. Sorry, Joe. Joe's, Once again, he couldn't Joe's make Joe's busy. It. He's got a really important job. Yes. He has lots of work on. That's right. So... We respect that. Um, what we have coming up is Oricon in Portland, Oregon at the Red Lion, November 17th and 19th. We have BodiceCon, in case you haven't heard us talk about that, uh, in the beautiful town of New Westminster in British Columbia. It's mainly a war gaming convention, but they, they accept all kinds of board games. That's right. And it's November 3rd through 5th. Maybe you can play the new Axis and Allies that just came yeah, out. That was, That's that, kind that of a war game. Great. I would love to play that game. I, if only I knew anybody who liked to play that. Um, there's the Jet City Comic Show in Tacoma. That's November 4th through 5th. And Anglicon in Seattle, December 8th through 10th, which you're is a, a bunch big, of English people things. Yes, and if you're a big Doctor Who fan, you should definitely go to that. And there's probably other um, ang- anglicized things going on there as well, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. You just made a word. I did. Good for you. Well, and our OrcanCon booth, I believe, will be there, I think. I, I think we, we were talking about We were I talking about that yesterday. About yeah, there was a meeting. If you see, if there is a booth there and you see them, please stop by and say hello. I mean, of course, OrcanCon. OrcanCon is this thing that's happening in um, um, January, um, the 12th through something? Yes, 12th through 14th. 12th through 14th. And it's happening in Bellevue, Washington at the Bellevue Hilton. Hilton. Yes. I always want to say Red Lion and I know it's wrong. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, we had to move. Um, the badge, it happens. The badge um, early bird pricing has been extended through the end of November, mm-hmm. um, which is great. That's like forty-five dollars. Right. The room price is exactly the same as it was in Everett. Really nice, and, really reasonable. And we just toured the facility yesterday, even though we're kind of familiar with it from Dragonflight. And it's great. We got a lot of space, and the bar is nice and big. Yes. And Blackfish Stout will be Blackfish there. That will be there. Um, and we there's a big potential for food trucks I hear. Yes, and let me just, because uh, I, I got the website up right now for a room, again, very reasonable in Bellevue, $99 a night. Uh, that's single rate and double double rate. Uh, Executive King at 119 That's not bad at all in the presidential suite for yeah. 124 And what else do you have to do a weekend in the middle of January in the Seattle area? Shouldn't do anything but game. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds great to me. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so be there. So, Paul, since uh, we've got some pretty good uh, programming today on our podcast, yeah. who should we do first? Because uh, we never work that out. Let's mix it up a little bit. Let's go with the review first, and then we'll really? talk to David Carnahan, the guy with the Boba Fett hat. Boba okay. Fez hat, rather. That's right. Second. Okay, let's do that. All right. 
This part of the podcast is brought to you by Games and Gizmos. Games and Gizmos is your friendly local game store with a great selection and a welcoming community. Come to Games and Gizmos in Kirkland, Washington. Now back to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Games Tabletop Geek Reviews. Geeks Tabletop Game Review. You almost got it. I had all the words. You had all the words, yes. <laughs> Not quite in the right order, but it's like the difference of... That's like making a cake. Moving if on. you do something in Moving the wrong order, it could mess everything up. But yes, let's move on to the review. We've got five tribes here today. It's a game by not Bruno... Not four tribes, but Not five four tribes. tribes. Five tribes. With expansions, six tribes. But we'll get to that. <laughs> so this is Five Tribes uh, from Bruno Cathala. He's got a few other games under his belt. He's got Abyss and Shadows over Camelot. So a few other well-known games. Yeah. Yeah. This is coming from Days of Wonder, which they do a lot of a lot of good games. They got Ticket to Ride, Small World, Shadows over Camelot. <laughs> <laughs> All of those games now under the, the Asmodee umbrella. And it's got artwork from uh, Clement Masson. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, which he's, the artwork is He's is been really dormant nice. for a while, hasn't he? I think he's, he's just got this. He's got uh, Intrigue, which was a game back in the 90s. Another Euro game. Another, it was I think, yeah. published in the U.S. by Mayfair. So definitely out there. And he's got a new one coming out. I think it's called Nomads. I'm not quite sure who makes that one. Oh, jeez. Um, to be found later. To be determined later, yes. Uh, so this, yeah, artwork is great on this. I really liked it. Um, it's kind of one of the reasons I picked this up. Uh, also because I, I thought the play mechanics were really interesting as well. Oh, God, well. I love the play mechanics. Yeah. I will play this all day. And mm-hmm. Doug hates me now because I've asked him to play it like six times in a row. That is fine. I haven't played this in like a year and a half or so, so I'm glad to play some of my older games. Uh, so yeah, it's a couple years old. I think 2014 or 2015. Uh, we could definitely check on the box. It's for two to four players, uh, about 40, 40 to 80 minutes. 2014. 2014. 40 to 80 minutes, depending on, um, as we'll talk about later, the analysis paralysis. Yeah. How long it takes you to figure out your next move. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And as for ages 13 and up, I think that's about the right age. There's definitely some deep strategy uh, to the game that, like you said, will I wouldn't involve... go lower than 10. Yeah. Yeah. I'd probably do, like, 12. <laughs> and be warned, small pieces for babies nearby. Yeah, small pieces for the young ones or nearby. Or cats that just like to chase meeples. Yeah. So this game, uh, you work to maneuver to gain control of the Sultanate after the previous Sultan has died uh, by maneuvering and moving around the five tribes uh, in order to gain influence and control over the Sultanate and gain points. So the people work a little bit like Moncala. You pick up all of the pieces in a square and you drop them one by one until you get to drop your last piece, uh, which must match... Uh, the colors of one of the meeples already in that square. In which case, you get to activate that meeple's color ability, and which could be any number of things. Yeah. And then you get to activate the square. Yeah. Uh, so, starting off, the simple ones are the viziers. 
They're basically for end of game scoring. They're the yellow meeples. Yeah, that's all they're good for. Yeah. Um, but if you have the most, they're worth a ten extra points. If you have more than a player, they're worth ten extra points. Any other player? Any other player. So okay. as you can see it on here, it's um. You're pointing at things. I'm pointing at things. <laughs> uh, yes. So on the on the player thing, it's for each player you have more than uh than them that you get ten points each. So in like our game yesterday, if I ended up with more Viziers than Holly, I would have gotten 20 extra points. Okay. It was kind of hard to do because we each ended up with like three or four uh, Viziers. Yeah, but I didn't care. I wasn't picking up any Viziers anyway. I yeah. was picking up the, the Elders. Yeah. Uh, and the Elders are the white guys, and they allow you to buy genies or Jijins uh, and then activate those genies' abilities. Which could be a number of different things. Uh, which allow you to take an extra action on the turn. Uh, things from, uh, like, Jetta uh, allows you to spend a couple of uh, elders to place a camel on an empty square. And placing a camel is how you gain squares. Control. Control the square, because we totally forgot to cover that. The covering of the squares. Um... There are the green meeples uh, that are merchants. They allow you to gain free cards from the market uh, row, which is pretty nice because getting free things is always good. Uh, which is worth points at end of game, depending on what you grab. Yeah, the market row, they'll have different types of goods, and they each have their own uh, popularity and scarceness in the deck. Like gold, there's only two gold cards in the deck, other things like that. But there's and like six wheats and... Yeah, and you're collecting um, sets of them, sets of different items to be worth money at the end of the game. Or you can sell them on your turn uh, if you need the money for the turn, for the next couple rounds. The blue guys are builders, uh, and on each of the individual tiles, uh, they are either red or they're blue. So when you pick up blue, the blue builders, uh, you get points for each blue tile times the number of builders in the 3x3 squares surrounding the center tile of where you picked up your guys. So if we have it like on the board, we've got this center tile that's blue and it's got four around it, so that's five total blues. If I picked up three builders off of that, that would be worth 15 coins that I would just gain immediately. Which is a good way to regain money uh, without having to show your market cards, discarding your market cards for without coins. Without having to sell them, yeah. Yeah. Because you can keep those, you keep those secrets until another game. The the market cards. Lastly, and then we get to the red meeples. These are the assassins. Uh, whenever you pick up an assassin, you can basically remove another meeple X tiles away, where X is the number of meeples, red meeples you picked up. So if I picked up three, I can move one, two, three, take off that meeple, and they go back in the bag. Now or, this is important. Or yes, or you can. Uh, assassinate another player's viziers or elders in front of them to kind of knock them down a peg that way. To keep them from getting points. Yeah. Um, now also... Okay. Thank you. Right, removing maples is important. Uh, if... If when you take off 
Because after you, you, you f- move the meeples... You finish moving the meeples. Not, yeah. Not your initial pick up all the meeples in a square, because you do have to pe- pick up all the meeples in a square. Yeah, when you finish moving meeples around, and you take all of the, the meeples out the last tile... For any reason, whether you assassinated them, or you removed all of the colors by matching them. Yeah, whenever you do that, um, and it's emptied, you'll claim it as your control, and place one of your camel figures on it, and... That'll be worth points to you at the end of the game. Now, there are point values on here ranging from 4 all the way up to 15. Uh, and I think there's only one 15. There's, there's a 12. A 10, 12, and 15. Everything else is 8, 6, 5, or 4. Yeah. So there's a lot to look out for in clearing spaces of meeples. And like Kelly was saying earlier, if I don't clear it with uh, just taking off the meeples, I can use assassins to basically pick off the last meeple uh, on a tile that's uh, within range, and that would also gain control of it, cause you to gain control of it. Okay. So there's five different types of tiles that you get to activate too. There's a lot of stuff going on with this game. Uh, so these couple tiles first. So one of the first kind of tiles is you simply get to place a palm tree on it, uh, or you can place a a palace on the tile, and those are worth points at end of game to the person who controls that tile. Uh, and that can only be done when you remove meeples from that square. Second type of tile, or sorry, third type of tile, I guess, technically. The third type of tile is uh, the merchants. You go to the market square, uh, which allows you to spend three coins and you get one of the first three cards from the market square. There's a secondary type of this kind of tile, which is you spend six coins to get two of the top six cards. So you can pick and choose two out of the top six. Now, we didn't say this before, but uh, there are going to be nine cards available at the market each round. So if you have used uh, picked up some merchants off the board and claimed the first few, that will allow other players a chance to get some of those uh market cards that are deeper down the line. Yeah. The last type of tile is the genie tile. You go down to the crypts of Abraga. That. <laughs> Nakala is, Nakala. is, is the you. sultanate. Uh, yeah, you go and you summon a genie uh, using your elders and such uh, to get those genies. And as I said before, those give you extra abilities... Uh, once per turn for some of them. Some of them are passive, some of them are like I said, spend two white guys or a white guy and a card to claim any empty tile. Yeah, that one's pretty good. I know you use that a lot against You always me. picked up the assassin guy. I picked it up that one game and was kind of Twice. focusing towards that. I didn't get it last game. You played it the first game we you got it the first game we played and then you picked it up when Holly was playing with us. And you were totally just sitting there sniping. That's how you ended the game, is because you were sniping all of the other guys and you had all of your camels on the board. I didn't have any genies that game. Yeah, No, I didn't. But let's move on. <laughs> so the game is played uh, over a number of rounds. Uh, beginning of each round, you will bid for turn, turn order. Now, this is a little bit different than most games where in those bidding situations... This is probably like one of my favorite parts of the game. Yeah. Is whether or not you're going to go first. Yeah. In other situations, your B 
bidding to go earlier in the round by not gaining certain benefits or going later in the round to gaining benefits. Like I know in Viticulture, you can draw extra cards or gain the use of another uh, worker by going later in the day. This one is you're actually bidding with your coins. And coins are worth money or worth points at the end of the game. So depending on how aggressively you bid for turn order, uh, you may not end up with as many points as other people. Now, the, the bid track ranges from 18 all the way down to zero. And you are bidding in victory points. Yeah. gold coins. So I could bid eight, and then Kelly goes ahead and decides she really wants to go first and bids 12 out in front of me. And so I decide that there's no point trying to go uh, in front of her. I'll just bid zero. And then Kelly, rather not, probably not wanting to spend the one coin to go in front of me, just bids zero as well and kind of pushes me back and still goes on in that front track. Of you. And still goes in front of me just by bidding zero. So there's a lot of a lot of things to keep in mind as you're playing the game. Is it worth it to bid eight coins to only take an action that only nets you like five or six points, or going later in the round to see if someone else can set you up for a bigger point scoring turn. It's a lot of things that you have to weigh back and forth, and that kind of gets to the analysis paralysis kind of part of the game, where there's so much on the board to look at, say, oh, I can move this over here and then get these points, but is that the best thing for me? And I think to start with, before we started the game, we were pointing <laughs> to that, I was like, oh, there's a lot of builders okay, here. We just, we just set it up and hadn't decided if we were actually going to play yet. So and just, then we sat down, decided to take actions that the other ones had pointed out, and then go from there. It was actually a pretty close game. We ended up uh, within seven points of each other. I got pretty lucky on one of the genies I drew. Oh, jeez. It pretty much tripled. You grabbed like six viziers really, really early in the game. Oh, yeah. That one was that one was pretty good. But there, You happened with Jafar... Yeah, Jafar lets your uh, Viziers count as three points rather than one point, which basically just triples your score for them. Um, so there's a lot of ways to get points. Like I said, not bidding as aggressively as other people will let you save your money towards the end of the game. Uh, picking up more Viziers than other players could increase your points. Definitely having multiple genies is one way to go. Building a lot of time, or picking up your builders in the primal spots mm-hmm. will net you more coins. Um, buying genies is more often than not crucial, uh, but not required. Yeah, a few games I've played, there have been repeated use of the place of palace tile, where you end up with four or five palaces on one tile, and just keeps going up and up. Yeah. It's a little like Seven Wonders that way, um, where there's a lot going on, and you do, need, you do need to pick your points path, your victory path. Uh, whether, for example, in Seven Wonders, whether or not you're going for um, military or science, military or science, or if you're going for your gold cards. Uh, in this case, or in Five Tribes specifically, are you going to? try and get all of the choice moves and big at, bid everybody out to go first since you get all of your choice moves. Uh, are you going to go for genies? Are you going to go and build a bunch of buildings? Are you just going to go and collect a bunch of viziers, um, which really don't do anything in-game but are worth a lot out of game? Uh, I think the other one you... Uh, it's control. The other one yeah. is control of the board. 
And I think the game with Holly that we were playing with Holly. Oh, we like showed her how to. <laughs> we were showing her how to play, but at the same time, I had like three areas controlled within like the first two or three turns. So it yeah, was the, the board wasn't even halfway empty of meeples, and you were out of camels. Although that's that's not how I ended the game, but yeah, it was. There were still quite a few moves left, uh, but I pretty much had all my camels out on the board. You may have one left. No, I think I finished it with placing my last camel. Yeah. But uh, there's there's two ways to end the game, placing your last camel or no valid moves for moving meeples, in which every player still has one last opportunity to activate any of their genies before final scoring is done, in which you do points based on coins, viziers, elders, all the things we listed before. And... The few games we've played, it's actually been pretty close. And I, I like that about this game. That, yes, you can someone can take a lead in one aspect of the game, but you can catch up by doing a few other aspects of the game. Yeah, I mean, you had the lead in Viziers. I had the lead in Money. Uh, you had the lead in Genies. And I had the lead in Camels. It was... It's kind it of a back and balanced. forth on who's winning at what. And... We ended up within seven points of each other. I had 184. Kelly had ended up 187. 77. Sorry. Yeah. So it's definitely a high-scoring game with two players, but it's it'll it's still be a very high-scoring player with like three or four players. Yeah. And the game does change with three or four players, mm-hmm. uh, if only because in two players you're going twice in a round, so you can set yourself up for the score a lot easier. Then in four players, where or three players even, you're hopefully you're setting yourself up in such a way that nobody notices what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, or you go last every time, and hopefully somebody else sets you up for something unknowingly. There were definitely rounds during your and my playthrough where I went first, and then you would go twice, and then I would go last. Where my first move was set me up for my later move. And your two moves kind of hindered me a little bit, but still allowed me to do that final move. And so helped me out quite a bit that way. Or you took my move. Or I took your move. <laughs> um, so pros, cons, what are you thinking about this game? I like it. I definitely like the, the puzzle-type aspect to it, which is just, as I guess I've said before, is how my brain works. I do like the puzzles and how things work and what's the coolest thing that I can do over here. Um But because I'm geared that way, if I'm playing with a bunch of people who aren't geared that way, uh, it may feel like I have the unnecessary advantage over somebody who unintentionally comes up with the analysis paralysis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we started out that way, first playing it. And once once it started to click with people, they, they picked it up faster. Nikki ended up just hosing all of us by like 30 points the first time we played it. Didn't your brother say she broke down like three think, moves into the I game? I think three moves into the game, yeah. She kind of started crying, didn't really understand what was happening, and we kind of guided her for a few turns, and she ended up just completely blowing us out of the water, like I said, 30 points ahead of all of us. So, yeah. So much for your balance game. So much for the balance <laughs> game. No, but she was a great sport about it. We like playing games with her. Uh, and I definitely like this game. Right. What's your favorite thing about it, Doug? Favorite thing about it? Artwork. I'm sorry. Not game mechanics or anything? Not game mechanics? No, like, I, I You've already admitted to me that you bought games based on artwork. I have bought so. games based on artwork, yes. No, I, I also like the, the Mancala movement aspect of it. 
that's kind of the one thing that drew me towards it in the first place. Cool. What do you like about it? One thing right now. Other than the aspect I've already said? Yes. Say it now. <laughs> um, I like the different types of paths as well. Um, that there's not just one way to victory. Um, yeah. And that you're not ever sure who's winning because of the multiple paths until the game actually is uh, over. That's what I like about most Euro games. This is definitely a light Euro game where there's multiple paths to gaining points. And uh, that's kind of why I stick with them. See how they, they do. Alright, thank you for listening to another Geeks Tabletop Game Review. If you've got a recommendation for a game you want us to review, uh, you can message us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geeksofcascadia or facebook.com slash gamesplusWA. That'll get to us directly. Thanks. This part of the episode is brought to you by Games Plus. From board games to role-playing games to miniatures, we have something for the whole family. Come to Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington. Now, back to our show. Wow, one more great review from Kelly and Doug from Games Plus in, in Lake Stevens. That's on the Twitters and Facebook. It's Games Plus plus Wall. I cannot wait to play Five Tribes. Right, and if you want uh, us to review your game or a game that you love, want to play, uh, email us at geeksofcascadia at gmail.com. Yeah, or you can message us on Facebook or just post on our Facebook page, whatever. We're open. We'd love to do it. And in fact, I think uh, the podcast, last podcast, they talked about perhaps doing a year, year-round. Oh, yeah, update, a like collection nominating, of, of, of um, uh, Yeah, game, maybe a, good kind games. of an awards thing, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that'd be very cool. Yeah. yeah, like top ten of the, whatever the segment is called. That, that would called. be very cool. And since that uh, interview, I've noticed just our, our two players next to us playing Stratego, I, it looks like... A lot of casualties on both sides. Oh, yeah. It's a bloody It looks about even, battle. though. It looks about even. So, yeah, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm going with the blue. I'm gonna, my money's on the blue, though. I'm <laughs> hoping, hoping she wins that one. So, uh, what else do we got next now? Oh, now we are going to talk to our good friend David Carnahan from Alexandria RPG. Man, that, I remember when we first met him. Um, God, what was the name of that con? We've, we've been to so many <laughs> cons. Evergreen Tabletop Expo. That's right. Yes. That's right. So he didn't have a name then. He didn't have a name. Remember? And it's he like had, some, and some dude with a giant game, old game flyer. And we had what we thought looked like a bunch of um, RPG game modules, but we were wrong. Yes. <laughs> because he has like more than doubled or tripled now. Oh, I he think. has everything. Yeah. He has everything. It's not just that you rule books. And, yeah. He still has the old stuff. I think we saw that that one rule book is like $2,000 or something like that. Oh, That's yeah. Like crazy. Something crazy. Yeah. yeah, and he was telling me how somebody just donated a bunch of oh yeah boxes and boxes. So I think he's got to get some storage. But he goes around to different cons and he sets up his library. I don't know where he will be at next. I don't know if he's, he's at OrcaCon or NorwestCon. I know or he's, he was planning on going to OrcaCon. Okay. Well, either way, these are things we may touch on in the interview. Yes. Well, either way, great guy. Uh, I'm really glad he's doing it. Because there's no way I could keep all that in my house. No, you got kids and a wife. My, and yeah, cat. she would be so upset with yeah. me if I did that. I mean, I got all the tabletop games. You, probably, right you now. probably have boxes of comic books everywhere in every room. Well, I don't have boxes. Well, okay, that's not true. I have boxes. <laughs> you don't keep them in boxes, but not that what many boxes. What kind of savage are you? No, I have long boxes. I have long boxes, <laughs> but I don't have that many. Okay. I do have a bunch, but not that many. 
Um, but I have filled up my whole closet with tabletop games. Okay, that's cool. It's starting to annoy me. Where do you keep your clubs? Um, that's usually where the towels go. So luckily <laughs> we have a second closet. Okay, that's good. Yeah. All right, well, so let's listen to what David has to say. Cool. This episode has been brought to you by Vern and Wells, an all-inclusive, members-only social club for geek professionals in the style of Victorian parlors of old, a space for this new breed of geek. Visit us at www.vnw.club. Vernon and Wells, Imperium in Imperio. Now to our show. Hey nerds, we are so excited. We are at Dragonflight and we're catching up with our good friend David Carnahan of Galgendria RPG. How's it going, David? I'm doing outstanding. I've got a whole bunch of crazy new stuff uh, the last since the last time we talked. Very cool. I know. You even changed your name. Uh, before it was like, hey, I'm some dude that has RPG <laughs> games and I have a bunch of old ones. And we, we finally, cool. finally got our <laughs> stuff together and got a little professional. So our website is alexandriarpg.com. G.com, as if I can talk now. Okay, good, good. Did you have any other uh, names that you were going to give it that you threw away? Oh, God, we, we, had a, we had a big batch of about 12 names that friends okay. and family threw at me, and uh, my wife and I were the ones that threw in Alexandria, and none of the other ones kind of, like, they all were boring or generic sounding. We, we both really latched onto the Alexandria one and stuck with it. I like it. Yeah. Well, it's better than oldcrap.com, so that's good. <laughs> I like that. But the hope is our, our, the future of our library is a little better than the future of the actual Alexander Library. Yes. And the last we talked, which was ETX, which is a couple of months ago, I can't even remember how long ago it was, um, you have added more to your RPG library. I've added, uh, so on Tuesday I was donated about 250 books by an individual wow. um, a local game store down in Tacoma Terracrux Games bought a guy's collection and donated it to the uh, holy smoke uh, so that was like five uh, bankers boxes of pretty much every book that was made for D&D 3 and 3.5 by Wizards of Coast so would you say the Doubled since we talked to you in June? Pretty much. Wow. Yeah, we're we're at seventy-five awesome. systems now. We were at like sixty, but we're at seventy-five and like, I haven't completely updated everything and I think I'm uh, pushing a thousand books now. Okay. And I was at five fifty or so before. So what's still your oldest uh, system that you have? Judges Guild is still my oldest stuff, uh, mid seventies. Uh, the couple the, grand. Yeah. Yeah, those, those ones are still, you know, uh, probably the most expensive I have there. Uh, sadly, the last of at, at ETX, um, a single book walked off. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, so, what was that? Uh, of what? Men in Black. Men in Black? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not a very expensive book. It's a little, little tough to find. It doesn't pop up often, but usually it's like... 10, 15 bucks at best. Huh. Wow. Um, so well, I'm got to keep an eye out. Paul that. just debated uh, Men in yeah, Black. Yeah, yeah. That's really weird. Weird coincidence. That's right. Still had my back turned. <laughs> so I noticed you got a little folder here. I know the listeners cannot see it, but maybe you can describe it to us. So hey, I got a big fat binder. And like I said, I got a 250 books donated on Tuesday of this week. Okay. And I went up to the guy's house. Uh, he invited me in for dinner. Then we so we talked about games and family and went down to his storage unit. And he just kept pulling boxes. And de- 250 books is a lot of stuff. Right. Wow. And, and then, all 
you said 3.5. Oh, no, that was 3.5. The 3 and 3.5 came from a business, uh, oh, Terra Crux. Okay. And this was, um, there was Traveler, there was um, D&D, there was all kinds of stuff in there. But he didn't think I wanted this binder. And he goes, I, you probably don't want this, but I'll show it to you anyways. And I open it up. And as I'm opening it up here for the for these guys, uh-huh. this is uh, the world that his father created. Oh, my God. So his father passed away uh, about four years ago. The gentleman's name was uh, David Young. Uh-huh. Uh, lived in the area and played, bought D&D back in the 70s. Uh, regular, you know, D&D with all Judges Guild stuff. And over the years, created this world for his kids and for his uh, his kids' friends and friends, uh, the, uh, his friends that came over and played. So this is 30 years of building uh, a world. So there's descriptions of the world. There's all these extra races. Wow. Uh, he put together a monetary system. And then as you go through here, he's got parts of Judges Guild books inter- interlaced. Okay. And then, this is part of Judges Guild? No. This so okay. this is a world that this man just created. Um, and then he he there's little bits and pieces of, of other books right. in here. And then all the stuff. Is, so he's like renamed things. He has like, here's a glossary of, of hex maps that he created in hex... 0823 that's the city of uh, Springle and then there's a whole description of it and he has all these different cities uh, yeah it's it's a page after page of single space typed text yes on both sides so what was this a lot for was it for a system that he was thinking this was this was the world that he just ran his family like his kids and his kids friends through so this was yeah yeah this was the world yeah this is the world he created for D&D um, so it was his own world, and like I said, he created his own races. There's magic items in here that he made, uh, his own monetary system. It just, I, 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 that's cool. I thought it was probably one of the coolest things because we've all kind of done that to some right. some right. degree, but this is just insane. Uh, looking, I mean, you can see the first few pages are all hand typed, and you can see later on when he gets like a word processor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's just so amazing. And, I, and I, I looked at the guy, I was like, You didn't think I wanted this? He's like, well, No, it's not a book. And I'm like, No, no, no. no. This is exactly what this I want. what it's about. Right. I was like, I get to, you know, I can share this awesome world that that his dad created. And, and, and it was kind of nice because, I mean, he, he kind of got a little tear in his eye. He's like, I think it's awesome that you're going to share my dad and this with is everybody. Kind of in the he developed this in the seventies. He started 80s in the seventies, and uh, he and talking with his son when AD and D came out, they made changes to, to to the new system. When second edition came out, they made some changes. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. I've been going through it. I want to sit down and learn all of this uh-huh. and actually put together a, a game right. and run some people through this. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at it right world. now. It talks about the people of this particular area. It's got attribute bonuses, plus two in strength, plus two in constitution. How, how tall they are, what the, right. these people stand six to seven foot tall, how much they weigh, jade-skinned, humanoids. I mean, it, it just it's so amazing. And then he's just all these, I mean, there's tons of races that he's created. And you know, if this, if, 
if he just would have waited 40 years later, <laughs> uh, you could actually He could have kickstarted this. Well, yeah, and you could put it on the DM <laughs> still because now you can yeah. put stuff and you can sell it. So, Absolutely. Wow. But he did this for his family. It's a lot of yes. time. Yeah, and this um, is, yeah, he started in the, in the late 70s wow. under under regular D&D. That's, um, that's and dedication. Then, yeah. And then, I will not do that for my kids. I'm just going to pull out a module. <laughs> and run through yeah, and it's, it's crazy. It's, you know, we... We've done stuff like this, but this is—I've never seen anything to this extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have uh, with this, I, he made little handouts mm-hmm. for the players okay. so that they knew what the differences in the core rules were. Okay. And, I, and it, it, the gentleman said I had to make Dad do that because he kind of would change things on the fly. <laughs> so, so moving forward with with the library, where are you going to be at from this point on? Um, so I'm going to finish out the weekend here at uh, at Eat or at. Um, uh, Dragonflight, and this has been a blast. A, a ton of people uh, sure. offering to donate more games. Um, I started a Patreon before mm-hmm. I got here, and uh, got got an, got another patron today, which is awesome. So mm-hmm. uh, within a couple weeks, I have two people uh, yeah. patroning me. Yeah. Um, and then uh, next weekend, I'm going to be at uh, PAX West. Okay. And I'll see you there. Yeah, they, they gave me an entire room. I boggles my mind. Wow. So I run into some old friends here, and they're, they have volunteered to come and run uh, games. Uh, an old this friend of mine from so the military cool. this is was uh, so like, cool. hey, I'll, I'll run a first edition D&D game uh, right. for you. I was like, oh, okay, got it. Uh, then I'm uh, coordinating to get into OrcaCon in uh, January. Okay. Um, I have some other things we're trying to work on, mm-hmm. but Great. Uh, nothing that's it, solid yet. Is your ultimate goal is to have what? I mean, pr- people are going to give you this stuff, but pretty soon it's going to be like, well, I've got like five Star Frontiers now. I uh, can't take them all. So I've already started paring down some okay. of the uh, some of the extra games, and mm-hmm. we want to have the primary library. And if we can get to it, we can have a secondary library for, like, smaller events. And then I want to have a flyaway library that can go to, like, faraway locations that I can't, can't afford to get to. So I can box it up in a couple large boxes. RPG bookmobile. Kind of. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, get, a, get, a, get something, uh, you know, medium to small size, like a couple Apple box sizes that I can send out to, you know, a show in Florida or a show in, you know... Uh, Kentucky or something, and then they can have this little little piece, and then just when at the end of the event they box it back up and ship it, yeah. you know, media mail. Media mail is not that expensive, and it allows me to to, to get a little further reach. That's really clever. Yeah. And awesome. So we we kind of want to have uh, you know that that three tier system: our primary library, a backup library for smaller events, and that flyaway library. Okay. Well, cool. Um, so. Once again, if people want to contact you, it's alexandriarpg.com. Yep, they can email me directly at david at alexandriarpg.com. Excellent. You have a cool Facebook page. We're, we're working on it. We're getting more and more pictures, so uh, we should just be Alexandria RPG and Facebook. And then also, I, I just started tweeting uh, this weekend okay. uh, for the uh, uh, for the library. And what's that at? Just at? Uh, oh, great. we got to look at the phones. Yeah, yeah, I got to look at the phones. <laughs> so, I'm the worst. Yep. So we're waiting, and we're maybe gonna I'm going to edit this. I'm killing you. I don't know. There's an ensemble. It's really sad that you don't know your own tweet. At Alexandria underscore RPG. There There you go. go. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Take care. Awesome. It was great talking to you guys again. Well, that was a great interview. It's always fun talking to David. It's a great interview because we interviewed him. Yes. 
And we're, we always, great, we're, we're, we're great at this. We are. We're, we're terrific. We're, we're the good. best. That's right. No one can compare to our interviewing That's skills. That's why we've got tens and tens. Tens and tens, yes. So, Magnificent. Uh, since that interview, I've noticed that the tides are changing, and it looks like the red team oh, they're making is a, push. a little better on Stratego. They're making a push. I don't know. I, don't I can... Know. I can your strategy is I, I, failing, it seems thing is, like. I can see the blue side. What do you mean? And if, and if I knew how to play this game... When you say <laughs> when you say you you know the blue side, you mean like the reason why they're fighting this war in the first place? Well, it's, it's a very complex thing. It has to do with an archduke getting murdered. I think that's World War One. Oh, okay, that's right. I don't know. I, you know, it could be there's two lakes in the middle of this. Do you think it's probably because they want the lakes? There's something important about the lakes. There, yes, there, there's great fish in there. That could be it. They're fighting a war. Or they're going to build hotels. I don't there's know. Nice Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, could be. Could be. Anyway, we're just bantering for no <laughs> yeah, reason at all. This is part, part of the, the, the podcast called Banter. That's right. And we do it. Many podcasts <laughs> yes, do it. that's right. Many successful podcasts. I went to the bank. Except we're not a about successful podcast. A lot of people podcast. thought that was funny. <laughs> I think it's funny. Whatever you say is funny. So, um... I think that's it for all of our uh, our shows. I do want to say something to the listeners. I think this is very important. So, we have successfully put out a podcast a week. We have. Um, so this is our 18th podcast, so you do the math, so that's uh, four and a half months straight podcast. Yes. Weekly podcast, which we didn't think was possible, because when we first did it, we said, we're going to do a podcast every other week. Uh-huh. But what ended up happening was, because we went to... Um, tabletop Expo Evergreen Tabletop Expo Yes And then I went to Gen Con And I just went to Dragonflight and Dragonflight And we were able to accumulate All these great interviews uh-huh. Unfortunately Or fortunately Many of them were time sensitive Oh yeah Because they had Kickstarters going on Yes And we tried to keep all that straight Right <laughs> But we had 40 some interviews Oh we had a lot Okay Yeah we had a lot of interviews And they were like some of these interviews were like, hey, um, when are you going to put this up? Because I got a Kickstarter going up. Of course, we didn't tell them how many listeners we actually had. So we, you know, we said, well, wow, okay, well, we'll make sure we get that up soon. <laughs> <laughs> For our tens and tens of listeners. I bet we sold some goatfish. I think so. I, like I hope so. Well, I know one of us bought goatfish. <laughs> I, I, think, I think there's two people in our crew, maybe three of them pot goatfish. So, what I'm trying to tell you listeners is that we might go back to our original plan of every other week. Yes. Because we're not expecting another convention uh, until a little later and then that's where we accumulate our interviews. Oh yeah. We, we are setting up, trying to set up some really good interviews. I can't tell you who they are, but they are primo top of the line game developers and designers like we have done in the past. I don't even know who they are. See, Paul doesn't even know who they are. But I just want you to know that we're not neglecting you. I know we get some dedicated listeners out there. I wish you would email us at geeksofcascading at gmail.com. Tell us who you are. Yes. Um, If you have some ideas for interviews or maybe segments that you want us to do, email us. Let us know. Facebook. um, Facebook message us. Twitter at us. That's right. We'll respond. Or send us a picture on Instagram. Yeah. I'll, you know, I would like to know out there, is anyone playing Starfinder and what they think about it? Yes, since we can't seem to buy it. Well, one of us has it. Oh, that's Kelly right. Kelly has it. She said she's going to yeah. do... I, well, we asked her to do a game. We have to get her to run us through it. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Oh, and that's another thing. Would you like to see us play a game? Yeah. There's podcasts out there where they just... 
totally. To- play we games. Could, we could easily set up a YouTube account, or we can Facebook Live. We promise we'll do good bantering. <laughs> Lots of bantering. Yes. It'll be very entertaining. I think. Sure. I don't know. I think we're funny. I think we're funny, too. Okay. So, anyway, I, I think that's about all we've got. <laughs> we've bantered as much as we could. We've got to stretch this out. we got these two interviews. So, with that, embrace the nerd, and I hope you make that safe. Cascadia podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. Podcast fumbles. <laughs> Why would you just stare at me, Doug? Why are you staring? You should just like touch the inside of his ear and make him squeak so he no. makes noise. No. Why would anyone do that? I've already hit record, so oh, it's yeah. recording this. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Games Tabletop Geek Reviews. Geeks Tabletop Game Review. You almost got it. I had all the words. 